I don't know what it was. He's walking upright like a man. Sightings in and around Vermont. Bigfoot sightings across New England have been reported. Red glowing eyes, about seven feet tall. Red eyes, big old fang claws coming out through. Three inches long, you know, just sharp as they could be. There has been another UFO sighting flying over the Royal Botanic Gardens. There are 500 UFO sightings in the world every month. The truth is out there. I almost very nearly didn't finish my research for today. For this Did you? Was it because of that TV show? Because of uh, Haunting on Hill, of Hill House. <laughs> How you really that? need to watch it. You really need to watch it. It's phenomenal. Stephen King's been tweeting about it. Has he? Yeah. It Honestly, it, it reminds me a little bit of Rose Red, but it's a lot more exciting than Rose Red. A lot of things are more exciting than Rose Red. That's fair. It's it was really, really good. I really did like Rose Red the second time I watched it. Well, the first time we watched it, we were forced into watching it. So. Yeah. <laughs> In one I mean, sitting. In one sitting, and that's a like ten hour thing. It's like oh, a, yeah. a HBO miniseries. Was it on HBO? I think I saw it on I, on Sci-Fi, maybe around Halloween think, one year. I think it originated on HBO. Okay. One sec, I'm just looking it up real quick. Uh, 2002 is when. It, no, that's not right. Was it 2002? Oh, you know what? This is why it reminds me of. Uh, of a house on the ha- uh, haunting of the house on the hill. Yeah, reminds me of Rose Red, because Rose Red was based off of the Shirley Jackson novel, The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, which is what this show is based off of. So that explains why it reminds me of Rose Red. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's really I, I highly recommend it. Even though we're now out of the Spooktober season. Oh yeah, I'll our- definitely check it out. Yeah. No, it's definitely worth it. And then, of course, there's uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina the Teenage Witch that came out <laughs> recently at the time of recording. Is that is it a remake or continuation of the original? Or or did they... What I want it to be is a actual serious horror flick that, like, a super adult horrifying version of Sabrina the Teenage Witch... It's basically uh, a horror version of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. That's so good. Which is based off of the Archie comics of the same name. I think it's uh, <laughs> The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. So I think Satan make, makes an appearance. Oh, hell yeah. There's weird witchy rituals that happen. Salem is like a dude who got a witch pregnant who's been cursed to be a cat forever. <laughs> That's outstanding. Which is not too different from uh, Salem from the, the the TV show with Melissa Joan Hart. Yeah. To be fair, because that one that dude was a uh, he was a world dominating monster. <laughs> well, he was a cat. He was, so he's a cat. Yeah, that's cats. That is cats. Cats are monsters. Yeah. My cat woke um, me up this morning. She decided to. Um, I, th- I think they were hungry. But I woke up because she just sort of wrapped her arms around my arm and then just started really biting me. And I need to stop bumping my mic. But, uh, yeah. She she just started chowing down. Welcome to my life in every aspect of what you just said. <laughs> One, bumping your mic. 
Two, cats biting you. Three, cats being assholes for food. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll, I'll expect this to be a mic bumping heavy episode because I did. So my mic's, my setup is really heavy. So I have a special mic stand. So it doesn't really have an arm. It has a piece of slotted steel coming uh, out. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I couldn't really access uh, the mic as well and read the screen. So I was sort of reading at a weird angle off axis. So I got a piece mm-hmm. of steel. And I drilled it out and made some changes to it to extend the arm. And it works out really well. So now I can read and have the mic right in front of me. And it everything works out great. And uh, I can't see or figure out how Skype works to make this full screen. How do I see myself in Skype? Oh, uh, if I uh, double click. There we go. You... So this is the modification I made. Oh, I don't know if you can even see it. And so there's this piece of steel. I... I, I uh, machined in the basement and added it to this which is part of the base and now I can uh, do whatever I want and it can pivot and do all this other fun stuff so to the listeners this might be audio poison but to me this is visual uh, delight <laughs> because custom. this is this is a phenomenal customization that Brandon has made for his mic stand says the man with the $15 mic stand that's attached to a seat clamp that's hooked onto the desk. And there's a little bit of tape. <laughs> Actually, so, funny story, for a little while, instead of just having one seat clamp, I had two separate seat clamps that were hooked together. Did you? Yeah, it was real dangerous. Um, because seat clamps, while they're great, they're also not... They, they don't handle off-axis uh, force very well. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> if you ever need to borrow a clamp, by the way, uh, I'm your guy. I've got uh, a rack of clamps that I have downstairs for clamping the – for putting new tops on guitars because you have to clamp all the way around the, the body of it. So I've got over 20 clamps maybe. Like C clamps, clamps and Irwin clamps and all that fun stuff. I got I've clamps. Seen clamps. I've seen your clamps. <laughs> the things you do with those clamps. It's actually pretty cool. <laughs> now that we've uh, unleashed about eight minutes of audio poison on the world. Oh, yeah. So what's uh, what are we calling this one? Welcome to the Cryptid's Guide to the Multiverse, the audio-based interpretive crocheting competition where each week your hosts are forced to make a life-size replica of a randomly selected cryptid from yarn. The winner gets to watch as the loser is doused in Bigfoot pheromones and compelled to run naked through the forest and lure new specimens into the bowels of our secret research facility. I'm Brandon. I'm John. (laughs) Every week you make me more upset Every other week, you make me more upset with your joke podcast titles. <laughs> I like them. And before we get started, I got another email from the corrections department. I don't know what happened to the former employee. There was an accident in one of the cages. But I was contacted by Frank. I think his name is. I don't know if he even has an, an ID badge yet. But I was informed that Pinball Wizard is not about Roger Sharp. But a fictional guy named Tommy in the rock opera written by The Who, I just connected some dots and didn't actually do some research. Um, And Pinball was also not outlawed nationwide, only various cities across the U.S. Okay. I mean, 
one, Frank's an asshole. I've met him. He's just an <laughs> asshole. I, I've actually been lobbying against him getting a badge because I think it's funny. <laughs> two, oh, all right. I mean, I didn't know that, but I also didn't know about... Oh, well, I knew about pinball machines being banned, but I didn't know about pinball machines. Yeah. Yeah, and Roger Sharp, the, the Derek Jeter of pinball machines. So he played Sharp... He's... Let me let me take that. Uh, he plays sharp. Is that was that an sharp. unintentional pun? Yeah, yeah, that was a bad pun, and it, it was more. I was trying to say he played shortstop because I'm pretty sure that's what uh, Derek Jeter plays. But I don't know a lot about sport. I couldn't me tell either. You. Me either. <laughs> I know enough about sport to tell you if sport is being played incorrectly or correctly. But that's about it. <laughs> Oh, man. Our monster this week was first recorded in 1874. It may be found in East Africa. Physically, it resembles a pineapple, and it is assumed to be no longer with us today. Do you have any thoughts on what it could be? South Africa? Yep. You said? East Africa. East Africa. Oh, East Africa. Oh, I feel like I've heard of this, which is not even a joke. Is the Pokemon Pineco based on it? I don't believe so. So it looks like a pineapple. Yes. It's based on 1874 is no longer with us. The last last sighting was... Oh, boy. Um, There were various expeditions. I don't know if anyone found it again it may See, have been 18 you know what 1876 i think i think what you've done is you picked a you've done it i think you've stumped me because you picked yes! literally the most possibly yes! obscure cryptid ever yes it was intentional yeah like ah oh man now my my whole myth of supernatural powers has gone away or you're blocking my supernatural it has our creature this week you witch is the acrinoida degena more commonly known as the madagascar tree oh this was on the list of cryptids that you put in our ideas was i've literally never heard of this thing other than that list now to start the title you've given this it's such a good title it's such a good (sighs) title to start uh, anything below that red text, don't scroll too far ahead. Or actually, you know what? You can scroll around, but don't like copy and paste and Google search for stuff because there will be 100% spoilers. So I included pictures of things I thought you would Google. Okay. I'm looking at the pictures. There's some interesting pictures. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's an adorable creature. <laughs> okay. I've just given you all a little bit of a... Of a... Of a, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of a preview. Oh, yeah. There's something adorable coming. I'm, I'm about le- to throw... Yeah? I have legitimately never heard of this, which, for me, the the amount of stuff I've read about cryptids and the amount of stuff I've read about paranormal and, like, hidden fauna and flora, this yeah. is astounding. Although you could... So it is a... Is this a flora or is this fauna? It's a plant. It's a carnivorous plant. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, just just take me through this. 
Yep, and I, I'm going to throw a stream consisting of just a lot of information at you, so stop me at any time, because there's a lot to digest. I already know I'm going to make fun of a lot of this because I'm reading. I'm reading a little bit ahead, and there's a lot of there's a lot of meat on these bones. There, there's a lot. The Crinoida digena, or the Madagascar tree, uh, was first recorded by botanist Carl Lech, and in a letter from Dr. Omelins Fredalauki, who wrote. My motive for publishing prematurely the history of my friend Lech's half-developed discovery is similar to that which influenced Darwin to bring out his book on the origin of species. Darwin himself has lately come so so precariously close to the dis- discovery of the problem Leech set himself to investigate. I think it is due to my friend's credit to make some preliminary announcement of the abnormal plants which have always hitherto puzzled botanists. So I'm gonna stop you right there. Yes. He's he's claiming that this plant that was discovered is literally on the same level as the discovery the the, the formulation of the theory of evolution. Yes. Yes. That's and this a bold claim. First paragraph is super important. I'll touch on it again at the very end because there's v- critical when he states that Darwin himself has lately come so uh, preciously near to the discovery of the problem Lech set himself to investigate. The year in which this letter was published versus Uh the year that Darwin released his book on carnivorous plants is suspiciously close. So, okay, I think I see where this is going, but I'll let you you paint this boardcraft tapestry. They're trying to get ahead of Darwin... Before yeah. he steals their thunder, because they're like, we need to get ours too, man. You can't just be doing all this evolution. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Carl Litch has been given his attention laterly in this briefly this. Certain plants, such as Dysera, Satrinea, and some others, departing from the general law instead of supplying food to plant uh instead of supplying food to animals, turn the tables, capture them, and are themselves carnivorous. Now some of these so- plants I listed yeah. Are the scientific names of the Venus flytrap and similar plants. Yeah, so I mean there are plants that do this. This is like this is not a unheard of phenomena and likely, you know, I haven't really read much on carnivorous plants, but you know. Yeah. The 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 other thing I want to say is you have picked a cryptid with a lot of difficult words. Yeah, well it's a lot of text from eighteen seventy four. Oh, don't I, I? I get that. And they're botanists, so there's a lot of weird stuff in there. I was big into carnivorous plants in middle school, though. I had a bunch, like several different versions of Venus flytraps and stuff in the house and in the garden. I think I actually remember that. Yeah, I remember you fun. talking about it at some point. Yeah, there were little hairs, and you could touch them, and then they clamp over. It has often occurred to me, in connection with these insectivorous plants. So abnormal in their constitution that, that they might have a widely different origin from other common orders of plant, and that if I could establish the nature of this different origin, I might be at the same time afford reasonable explanation at once of the origin of these primordial variations of the life. Okay. Yeah, so, so... they're trying to dig deeper and see if these plants branched from a different ancestor, possibly from your typical plant. So, so far, 
the way that this is written, one, it definitely reads like an 1800s tabloid article. A oh, yeah. Bit. But at the same time, at the same time, it's not like completely discounting the notion of science. But yeah. then again, uh, 1800s were weird because everything was considered science. Everything. Like, let's, let's not forget that, that uh, Frankenstein came out in the 1800s. Oh, yeah. And that was like, it was science fiction. Like, it the was. height of well, science there was, fiction. Mary Shelley was in a cabin with her friends, and there was a bad storm, so they all sort of came up with a community story to tell. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, we're talking about a time period where you think everything can be solved by electricity, and you think everything can be solved by, like, you know, opium. <laughs> <laughs> so, Laudanum's was big. Laudanum's was really, well, up through the 80s. So, Bayer, the aspirin mm -hmm. company, Bayer Aspirin, yeah, yeah. they had Bayer heroin. So, heroin was a just a thing you could get in a bottle sold by Bayer uh, fairly recently. And then they just sort of banned that and then came out with worse stuff, like um, like oxycodone uh, and, and all that is significantly worse than heroin. The history of opioids is really, really insane. Yeah. And I don't want to say significantly it... worse. It's, 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 it does the job not quite as good and is more addictive. Yeah. Yeah. The the history of opioids is crazy, but it's also not. Unfortunately, it's not the history of our podcast. It's oh, yeah. not the nature of our podcast. I think there's a really good Sawbones episode on it. If anyone's there interested, there is. There's a fantastic episode of the Dollop where they go into opioids in the current uh, crisis. Yeah, yeah, yep. So Anyhow. when Lich went to Bombay in response to the liberal call extended to him by the Grant Medical College to make a special investigation into the habitats of such abnormal plants as seem to depart from the characteristics and traits of the flora. Lech discovered the remarkable and terrible crinoida digena, of which the letter gives such a graphic description. So this is still the same, uh, this is still the guy who is basically introducing Dr. Omelins or whatever? Yeah, so this is okay. Lech's friend publishing... Okay about his story because Lech hasn't at this point in time published his book on the plant, but he he's afraid that Charles Darwin will release his book first. So he's trying to put this out there just in case so that he, his friend gets the credit for, for these discoveries. Okay. Yep. After quite a long sojourn in India, Lech was influenced to go to Madagascar by Dr. Bawu Dejia, a physician in Bombay who supplied the means of their expedition. When a young man, Dr. Dejia, had made a voyage to Madagascar and had been deeply impressed by the flora. So Leech embarked. So they're, going to, yeah, so they're, the, going to, they're going to Madagascar. Yep, they're going from Bombay, India to Madagascar, which is on the eastern uh, side of, of Africa. It's an island. You know what Madagascar has that's really cool that's nowhere else in the world? That Le isn't this plant? What, what do they got? Lemurs. Yeah, lemurs, man. Zabumafu Le all the way. Zabumafu! He's dead Rest now, so that's, that's sad. Uh, let's just have a, a moment of silence for the fallen Zabumafu. <laughs> he brought so many to the zoological world. Very true. And that's that's not even a joke. That was actually... I actually did want a moment of silence for Zabumafu. Yeah, no, he's a great lemur. That was a great show. 
Um, it was. Oh, yeah. So Lich embarked. And that was more than two years ago since I've received three letters from Lich. Last week, a fourth. So that's just a comment from Dr. Allman's Amelins on the series of letters he's been receiving in correspondence from Lech. So Lech is... So, yeah. I hope those are long letters because that's that's four letters in two years. So that's like a, a letter every six months. Letters so, were long as hell back then. I guess, but man, those would better be some like novellas if, it, if there's a lot of details. Like a scroll. Yeah, they were long. Now it's just happy birthday or my condolences, but back then it was... It was it was, they were long. If a, if I write a an email that's longer than a paragraph, I, fe- I think, man, that's a little too long. <laughs> In his letter, Letch writes, I want you to know about the remarkable tree which I have discovered and which I have named in honor of you, Crinoida Degina. And about two weeks after my last letter, I went to visit a Christian chief or Christianized so, chief. So I'm starting to get a, a feeling about this. Now, yes, I ha- I usually have decent instinct, but um, did Le- Le- Lech actually write this article? Did, did Lech actually write these letters? Because there's a part of me that uh, uh, hypothesizes that the author of these of this this like copy this 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 advertisement yeah. might be embellishing, although. Then again, as I'm saying this, I recognize that I thought that the person who's writing this is Dr. Dejia and mm-hmm. not another person. So yeah, I, I actually retract my statement as I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so these, I don't have the original letters. I do yeah. have the original print that was published. And okay. I will say, it, it the scan is not super great. So writing this was a pain. It, it yeah. definitely looks like a pain. Oh, um, yeah. Because, so Crinoida, Crinoida, Crinoida de Gina, Crinoida, I I don't know, I think is a classification perhaps of plant, and de Gina is clearly the name of the physician from Bombay that funded his expedition. So then Crinoida is probably the genus of the plant, because usually genus species is the Latin name? Yeah. Okay. All right, I... That was a completely worthless, <laughs> a completely worthless uh, diversion. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's weird. <clears throat> okay, so I just looked it up. It's a type of endocur- endo, endo a- echidnoderm, which is like the, um, like a sea lily. Oh, okay. Which is weird that there's a sea lily on land. Yeah. Well, it's we'll get we'll get closer, but there's they, it's on an island. And there's they 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 take a hike. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they went to visit a Christianized chief. From there, Lich describes how his guide left him and how he found another one of great value at the chief's village, who then asks why he hadn't visited the Mkodos, where there are regionally specific plants. So he had one guide. He, they're traveling. They got to a village. His guide abandoned him. He found a new guy. New guy's apparently awesome. Lich apparently heard that the people of the area are hospitable and cannibals. So, cannibals. Cannibals. What's the deal with white people and assuming everyone in Africa is a cannibal? I mean, at the pro- they're white people. I can't argue with that. I'm a white person. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's... Henrik, which is his new guide, 
uh, the, he didn't say the name of the original guide. Henrik is the new one. Henrik replies that he had been among them twice and had been well-received, and he would guarantee him safe treatment among them, and adds that their reputation comes from continually being at war with other tribes. Mm, okay. Okay, it feels like you're... This guy's trying to explain away the the continually at war thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that he's trying to explain away the cannibalism, but he also then is like, yeah, but they're like super violent yeah. at the same time. <laughs> like, so, they're real violent. I, I don't feel like he actually solved anything with that. I feel like he just kind of... He kind of... If anything, if I was in his situation, I heard that, I'd be like... So what you're telling me is they're super violent. Yeah, but you're going to be treated well. Yeah, not a comfort. It is It is not a comfort. Although the cannibalism in that war makes sense because there are, in different regions, tribes who at war, if they get a warrior of another tribe in battle, they will consume him because the idea is that you're then gaining some of his warrior powers. So it's, I think... it's not far off from things that, that are... That we know of. I think also cannibalism, the act of cannibalism is a dehumanizing act. Yeah. At its core. Because then it's it's not recognizing the individual as a person most times. Mm-hmm. Or at the very least, it's disregarding their humanity. Because it is a social taboo in a lot of cultures. Yeah. And it also demoralizes people. Yeah, I wasn't trying to say it was a good thing, cannibalism. In fact, all... I will put my reputation on the line. Cannibalism is not good. Don't be a cannibal. I'll say it. I'm gonna say it. I don't like. I don't like dealing in uh, in absolutes. I feel. I've heard that Sith do that. The I, I'm okay with being on an absolute against against cannibalism. That is, by the way, why uh, you shouldn't eat people is prion diseases, which are legitimately the scariest thing that I know of. It's, yeah, yeah. I I live in terror of of prions. They're, not gonna lie. It's there's no cure, and they don't know why they happen. It, it's yeah. For for people who don't know what a prion is, basically mad cow disease. Yeah, mad cows. Mad cow is. So if you eat a person, there's a disease called uh, Crooksfeld Jacobs disease, which I know I'm saying wrong because it's German, but that's how I'm gonna say it. That causes these proteins in your brain to fold and unfold weirdly. But prion diseases also just sometimes happen and they don't know why and there's no cure and the it oh, oh, oh that's oh man, that they're they're a nightmare. Yeah, it's kind of a Cronenberg esque. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just like your body then turns on itself. Because yeah. literally the proteins that make up your cells like unfold and then refold in the wrong order. So like if you think about that on a if you think about that on a macro scale, it'd be like your skin came off and then went back on backwards. Oh yeah, it makes your proteins the wacky waving inflatable balloon arm flailing men outside of the car shops. Yeah. Yep. It, it's not great. No. It's not great. No, it's not. So Lech and Henrik set out for the Mkodos. Lech describes the Mkompo- <laughs> the M- I'm going to say it right. Hang on. The Mkodos are a very primitive race going completely naked, and they have no religion beyond that of the awful reverence which they pay to their sacred tree. 
He then lists the Latin names of a bunch of plants. A little bit of, in an additional aside, did you know that there's a new version of Pathfinder coming out? Is there? Yeah, there's a there's a second edition of Pathfinder coming out, and they took out the term races. Yeah. And they're replacing them with ancestries. That, that's fine. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah. So Lech, his guide, and a group of the Mkoto traveled down a long, winding path near a lake. The path mm-hmm. turns towards the jungle, and eventually the landscape turns uh, takes a drastic turn. Lech writes, After we were fairly in the forest, the shade overhead was so dense that the jungle and undergrowth almost disappeared, and instead there was a damp, boggy turf, cold, spongy, and yielding to the tread. The stalks of the tall trees rose like columns, the vines hanging down from the tree, and their roots running over the ground in every direction. Suddenly, all the natives began to cry, Tepe, Tepe, and Hendrik stopped short. So now they're traveling along a lake deep into this really boggy turf, and all of the Mkodo start chanting. Hmm. Sounds like the setup to a, a Godzilla movie. It does a little bit. Because, like, it reminds me of, oh, God, which Godzilla movie am I thinking of? Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, a little bit. Okay. Where, in Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, the, um... <laughs> I just gotta know. <laughs> Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, the, the natives basically are harvesting a particular type of, like, berry or something that makes a yeah. gas that deters Ebura, the horror of the deep. Um... <laughs> It also kind of reminds me of Godzilla versus King Kong, for that matter, because they gave him like, like these opioid type berries. Yeah. Or it also reminds me of Godzilla versus Mothra. They use the same plot a lot of times in the Showa Godzilla movies. Now that I'm thinking about it, like <laughs> a lot. Like there's a bunch of people who end up in an island. There's a bunch of like Polynesian natives there. They found Frequently a formula that in- worked. Frequently in brownface. Oh. Frequently. And then the uh, the people from Japan find the thing. They are like, oh, let's just bring this back to deal with Godzilla. Or, oh, we need to get <laughs> off the island because we need Godzilla to deal with it. Oh, da 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 etc., etc. So that's a thing. Also, side note, Godzilla yes. versus the sea monster. It was originally supposed to be uh, a Frankenstein movie. No shit. That's why um, Godzilla gets woken up by a lightning strike. Oh, that's pretty cool. I like that. That's a fun fact. Yeah. I love the Godzilla movies. So along the river was a single tree. I will try to describe it to you. If you can imagine a pineapple, eight feet high and thick and denuded of leaves. Denuded is a fun word. I never heard it before, and it is a very fun word. It's, I want to try to slip it into a casual conversation. I will be upset if you slip it into casual conversation with me. I, at work, mentioned the uh, insectivorous plants, insectivorous mm-hmm. plants, and uh, one of the managers gave me a dollar, because apparently if you say a big word, he just gives you a dollar. Amazing. <laughs> Its trunk is a dark, dingy brown, hard as iron. The inside of each covered... Oh, sorry. I put parentheses in the wrong spot. But its trunk was a dark, dingy brown, 
and hard as iron. From its top, eight leaves hung to the ground, the inside of each covered with small hook-like barbs. Uh, like doors hung back from their hinges, 11 or 12 feet long and shaped like the leaves of an agave, two feet through in their thickest and three feet wide, tapering to a sharp point. That's... Hmm. That's a very confusing description, but I see what... Like, it kind of reminds me of, like, an aloe vera plant on a on a, uh, a pot. It's sort of, if you imagine a, a really big pineapple, but the brown part where there's those pointy bits, if that's smooth, and it had the pineapple green leaves coming out the top, but instead of sticking straight up, they're folded back down. Yeah, that's that's kind of the best way to describe it. Yeah. At the top were two large white concave parts, like a small plate placed inside a larger. There was a receptacle extended into a clear liquid that was honey-sweet and possessed violently intoxicating properties. Okay, it's just becoming more and more like a Godzilla movie, because now we're Godzilla versus King Kong. Oh! (laughs) Uh. From these, six white, almost transparent palpi reared themselves towards the sky. So now we're to a pineapple that's smooth, leaves folded back. On top is a little cup with a liquid, and there's the, um, what are you called? Stamen, stoma, the palpi, whatever they are, sticking Mm -hmm. up out from that. Okay. Yep. Lech writes, My observations on this occasion were suddenly interrupted by the natives who had been shrieking around the trees and chanting. With still wilder, wilder shrieks, They now surrounded one of the women and urged her with the point of their javelins. Until slowly and with a despairing face, she climbed up the rough stalk of the tree and stood upon the summit of the cone. Drink, drink, cried the men, and she drank of the fluid in the cup, raising instantly again with a wild frenzy in her face and convulsive limbs. So they're making her climb this thing and she drinks the the liquid that he described as honey-sweet, and it sounds like it's, I'm not sure what the fluid itself is, but it causes convulsions, apparently. So maybe uh, some kind of neurotoxin or some kind of, um, uh, like, hallucinogen. That's, hmm, okay. I've got some problems with this story. Do you? But, yeah, I got a few problems. There's, like, there's a lot of pro. Actually, no, everything about this story sounds fake. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, literally everything sounds fake now. Does it? Okay. Well, Cause... we'll we'll continue. I go through. Uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see at uh, the end. We'll see. Well, at the no, end. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, uh, it, it may very well be heavily embellished. Yeah, this doesn't sound right to me in some way. But well, there's there's a number of reasons. We'll get into them later. I think. Oh yeah. The slender, delicate palpi quiver a moment, then, as if in instinct, fasten upon her. When her awful screams and yet more awful laughter rose wilder, she was strangled down again into a gargled moan. The tendrils retracted and wrapped her about. Uh, they they just sort of fold about her. They close around her. The the pineapple leaves. I've heard of. I've I've definitely definitely. This definitely reads like erotica <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> I didn't say tentacles, I said palpi. Yeah, that's just because it's it's palpi doesn't mean that it's not tentacles. Yep. Cuz like I think I think this exact situation is 
definitely a thing in circles that Griffin McElroy might enjoy a little bit, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you don't know what I'm saying, it sounds like boar porn. Oh, yeah. So let me change how I read stuff. And now the great nope, leaves nope. rose stiffly. I, I can't. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. And, nope. And closed about the dead and hampered victim. From their interstices, there trickled down the stalk of the great tree stems of viscid honey-like fluid mingled horribly with the blood. At sight of this, the savage hordes around me, yelling loudly, bounded forward, crowded the tree, and each got enough of the liquor to send him into a mad frenzy. Okay, this makes me, like, once again, even more not trusting this story in any way, shape, or form. But, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a thing. <laughs> I don't believe it for a second. Yep. Just telling you right now. Then ensued a grotesque orgy from which Henrik dragged me hurriedly away into the forest. So he's down for everything but the orgy. <laughs> I think he was down for the orgy. I, yeah. I think he I think he editorialized this. He actually participated in the orgy. That's the only thing that happened. <laughs> I'm almost convinced that's the only thing that happened. He was in a he was in a crazy orgy. A crazy pineapple orgy. A crazy pineapple orgy. A crazy pi- fermented pineapple juice orgy. So Letch's writing resumes from a ship waiting to set sail. In the course of my stay in the valley, I saw six other specimens of Crinoida digena, but none as large as this which the Mkodos worshipped. I learned that they are carnivorous in the same sense that d- the Dionea, or Venus flytrapped, are insectivorous. The retracted leaves of the great tree kept in their upright position during ten days. Then, when I came again one morning, they were prone again, and nothing but a skull at the foot of the tree. I climbed up a neighboring tree and saw that all trace of the victim was gone, and the cup at the top was once supplied uh, at the top. It, it refilled with fluid, the, the thing on the top. I saw a smaller one capture and destroy an active lemur. Which... No! No, Zabumafu! No! <laughs> they lied oh. to us. That was Zabumafu. <laughs> Dropping by accident upon it while watching me. With Hendrick's assistance, I cut down one of the minor trees and dissected it carefully. I must defer to my next for the details of this most interesting examination. So what happened to the specimen, Brandon? The the smaller specimen? Where is it? Where is it? Where we'll, are the seeds? Where are the seeds? We'll... So there were... Where are the drawings of the dissection? I mean, there are drawings of it not dissected up up taller. We will get back to the dissection after a little bit, but I... I... They're at it again. I I accidentally... uh, This is my fault. Is it? This is my fault, yeah. I definitely um, am responsible for this one. Are you? What'd you do? I, I told them. I, I told everyone what happened is a boomafu. No. <laughs> no. That's 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 confidential information. Everyone forget, please. Forget what happened is a boomafu. He died of old age. Happy. <laughs> I thought it was a, for the dress code violation for me wearing my wizard hat. Oh, that too. Yeah. <laughs> that actually 
is a two, two, five, Frank. Five, I'm pretty sure Frank was the, the narc. We're going to have to do something. We're going to have to destroy his badge. Or we're going to have to coat him in pheromones and lock the gates to the facility. He doesn't have a badge. Oh. I made sure of that, remember? Then I'll just spray him with pheromones and lock him outside. Today's sponsor is... Follicure. Are you tired of leaving stray hairs everywhere you go? Fret no more about someone finding a follicle when you least want it. Follicure is the latest in grooming technology. It applies like a standard pomade, but binds your hair to the skin at the root. Follicure is cruelty-free, and that's why I use Follicure for all my grooming needs. Follicure is not FDA-tested or approved. Side effects include anger, fugue states, blackouts, diarrhea, uncontrollable urges, increased strength, increased speed, erectile dysfunction, irrational behavior, intrusive thoughts, fainting, internal bleeding, kidney stones, a love of romantic comedies, lactose intolerance, fingernail loss, toenail loss, blindness, memory loss, and rashes. Now back to the show. Before we get going, yeah. while you were... I got back a little bit early. It turns out I got a, uh, an award for my Zaboomafu reveal because they didn't oh, know. Oh, Fantastic. You got sprayed with some pheromones, though. Oh. They didn't tell you, but you got pheromones. It's not water-soluble. Um, I can't wash it off. No, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> uh, so I found this while we were gone. Uh-oh. It's called Power Rangers Fauna Force. <laughs> the uh, tagline is, they're furries. <laughs> Who's their audience? Who's the target audience for that? Come on. You know the target audience. <laughs> oh, I know. There's actually a really big one. Mm-hmm. I like your award, by the way. It's a nice golden placard. Yeah. I do suspect that it attracts Bigfoot to me. But I'm not sure. <laughs> they like they, There are some Bigfoot who do like shiny things. Everyone likes shiny things. Not so this he, plant, though. No, no, no. <laughs> so here's the scoop. There are currently over 750 species of carnivorous plants known today, and a few more are being discovered every few years, like the Drosera verucata found in 2013. All of these plants use one or a combination of the same methods to capture their prey, three of which are similar to the Crinoida digena. Pitfall plants have a bowl shape and secrete an enticing fluid to lure their prey. Once inside, digestive enzymes break down the food, one of these um, Nepenthes raja, found in 1858, can even consume small mammals. Oh, rest in pieces, poor small mammal. Poor small mammals. That was the cute thing I mentioned at the top of the episode. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah. I'm I've, sad now. I intentionally looked for an image that wasn't of a in-process-of-being-digested small mammal. Yeah, I thank you for that, because that would have not been a fun day. Yeah, no, they were bummers. Snap yeah. traps, like the Venus flytrap, have hinged leaves that close around their prey. Flytraps also have teeth, I'll say that in air quotes, to keep their prey from escaping. Uh, and we're all familiar with those, more or less. Venus flytrap. Yep, Venus flytrap. And flypaper traps, like the Drosera caponeses, uh, which I know I said wrong. Mm-hmm. They have a long strap-like leaf with tendrils sprouting out, tipped in fluid. When the prey is detected, the leaf wraps itself around the prey, and they start to be digested. So, I know that this is also not the right way to say it, but it does almost look like capenis. 
<laughs> um, I have nothing else to say. I just, I just saw the word penis almost, and I thought it was funny. I thought you were describing the picture of the leaf. <laughs> I was gonna say you should see a doctor. <sighs> well, that's a Sasquatch penis. Charles Darwin wrote the first well-known treatise on carnivorous plants in 1875, which in itself is very interesting, as these are relatively new, uh, especially before and very little after that would have been known about them, and to your common person, the idea of a carnivorous plant would have been crazy. Mm -hmm. Which takes us to the New York World. A newspaper published from 1860 to 1931. This just happens to be the same paper that Dr. Amelins shared his friend Carl Lech's correspondence in April 26th, 1874, less than one year before Darwin published Insectivorous Plants, his treatise on carnivorous plants. So, I'm starting to, I'm starting to be a little bit of a conspiracy theorist on this. Oh, share, share. Is Carl Lecce's even a real person? Because the next week's cryptid, I've been doing a lot of research, and I've I've begun to suspect that certain individuals in the story that I'm going to be telling next week are yeah. real people. Oh. And I'm curious if there's any historic evidence of a Carl Lecce ever existing outside of this article. I will go into that and the the key players that, that okay. we've heard about so far. Okay, because yep. I think he doesn't exist. Yeah. So the article itself exploded, and it was reprinted in other papers all over the world for several years. And at least five different expeditions were launched to find this tree, including one by Chase Osborne, one of the governors of Michigan, who, uh, sorry, and one of these expeditions never returned. Wait, what? Yup. What? Like, that's the dumbest thing to die over, personally, I think. <laughs> I I'm sorry. I get uh -huh. that it's spooky. I get that it's interesting. But, like, yeah. of all the things you could die over, like, if you went, if you looked at a list of people and you asked them, how did you die? You know, I feel like if I said, I died looking for a carnivorous plant, I'd lie. <laughs> I'd lie and say it was autoerotic asphyxiation at that point. Because yeah. that's that's historically one of the more upsetting and embarrassing ways to go. <laughs> but I still yeah. feel like at least there's an explanation for why it happened. Mm -hmm. I was looking for a carnivorous plant that I read about in an article because I'm a gullible asshole. <laughs> is somehow more embarrassing mm -hmm. than that. Yeah. Now, unfortunately... There are no living specimens of Crinoida genina around today. They, as it would happen, fell victim to a common disease known as being completely fictional. Yeah, I saw that coming. There's yeah. no, there's literally <laughs> no. Oh wait, wait. Let me work on my my shocked voice. One second. What? <laughs> How was that? It's pretty good. It's pretty okay, good. Okay, good. All right. All yeah. Right. What? <laughs> uh, current literature published 14 years later in 1888, was the first to publicly debunk Edmund's article. Okay. It, I mean, I could yeah. have debunked it just by listening to you giving me the little snippets, but yeah. let's let's hear how this, they This is it. the 1800s. They're, yeah. they're willing to buy into a lot of stuff at this point in time. Yeah, that's true. 
It was written years ago by Mr. Edmund Spencer for the New York World. While Mr. Spencer was connected with that paper, he wrote a number of stories, all being remarkable for their appearance of truth, the extraordinary imagination displayed, and their somber tone. Mr. Spencer was a master of horrible, some of his stories approaching closely to those of Mr. Poe in this regard. Like many other clever men, his best work is hidden in the files of the daily press. This particular story of the Crenada de Gina, the devil tree of Madagascar, was copied far and wide and caused many to hunt for the words of Dr. Ferdlowski. It was written as the result of a talk with some friends, during which Mr. Spencer maintained that all was necessary to produce the sensation of horror in the reader was to greatly exaggerate some of the well-known and perhaps beautiful thing. He then stated that he would show what could be done with the sensitive plant. So he stated that he would show what could be done with the sensitive plant when this method of treatment was applied to it. The devil tree is, after all, only a monstrous variety of the Venus flytrap so common in North Carolina. Mr. Spencer died about two years ago in Baltimore. So he, this, this whole thing was written by a guy for a newspaper who wrote horror stories that seemed real and wanted to show off to his friends that he could make even a plant scary. Amazing. Yeah. I also, oh, yeah. when when you mentioned this, uh -huh. there's, another, there's another hoaxer whose name I don't remember, and I was yeah. curious if it was him, but I couldn't, find, I couldn't find a link to it. But this reminds me an awful lot of the moon hoax story I told you about a while back, oh, where like, some guy wrote a bunch of articles, and he published them as facts, and it was like, about a scientist who was observing things on the moon, the surface of the moon with like a yeah. super powerful telescope. Oh, cool. So it's a really insanely cool story, but it, it smelt exactly like this while you were reading <laughs> it. The article itself did not mention Edmund as the author, but one clue to its fictionality is that no person mentioned actually ever existed, not even the Mkodos. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Like, at all. I yeah. am... Once again, what? <laughs> and a snippet from the Museum of Hoaxes website says that no other record has ever been found on the existence of Mr. Edmund Spencer of the New York world. However, Summers of current literature was highly knowledgeable about the New York literary scene, and there is no reason his information shouldn't be accepted as credible. However, Summers' revelation went widely unnoticed throughout the 1890s, and the man-eating tree story continued to appear in magazines, but none mentioned that Spencer was the author. By the 20th century, the New York world wasn't even being identified as the original publisher of the tale. This caused enormous confusion to researchers throughout the 20th century who came across the story and tried to track down its original source. It's God damn it. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Ugh. You know that saying, uh, a lies around the world before the, the truth gets a chance to put on its pants? No, but I like it. So sometimes the truth has its pants on. It shot the lie in the forehead, yeah. but the lie has so much momentum that it keeps running around the world. <laughs> that's fantastic. That, that's, that's perfect for this, for the, specifically this one. It's, it's outstanding. And the... <sighs> Honestly, that's that's like the main problem with these types of stories. Yeah. Is that when you look into it, 
the the story is so much better than the the truth like oh yeah to people and like even though it's a completely insane thing people like to take the thing that's more palatable to them as opposed to the thing that actually has any empirical evidence of existing ever yeah <laughs> oh yeah god and, and the best part is this story that we told could only be- have been told now in this era because it wasn't until the 21st century when issues of current liter- literature, uh, which is the name of the magazine that, that the debunking was, was published in, became searchable on Google Books that Summer's information about the identity of the hoax's author reemerged. So it wasn't until now that it was even possible to debunk this. Well, I mean, if you found an original copy, but like that's that's difficult because yeah. it's like it's an obscure mag, like a relatively obscure magazine by today's standards. Oh yeah. So it's like, how do you even how do you even know the the fact the thing I find most hilarious is the fact that New York World was lost as the original publisher. Yeah, like the the author he never took credit for writing it. Edmund Spencer never showed up anywhere in the article. Full credits, I should mention, were given, like, fake credits to everyone mentioned. So all the doctors had little short bios in the article itself. Ah, God. So that combined with the loss of the New York world as the original source made this thing absolutely incredible. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Oh, Uh, yeah. You know, like, this is such... Like, I know I said it before, but this is such a problem with the type of research we've been doing. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I know, I, I can almost guarantee that you've been through at least four cryptids before you reach this one for this week. There, for almost every week, yeah. yeah. I, I pick some until I just go through them until I find something with enough sources that, that I could get a yeah. full episode. It's to the point, there's so much circular referencing that exists in the cryptozoological community that it's like, almost impossible to find a coherent story that has its basis in any sense of fact oh yeah i will say however the best sources that i've come across including this one are all made available again only now could we do this they're all made available through archive.org and through the library of congress and their scans of the originals that i would never be able to gain access to listen I made the plug last week, but I'm going to make it again. Library science is important. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it's one of those weird things that people joke about, but library science and the preservation of data is essential. Oh, Absolutely yeah. Absolutely essential. Like, like even, um, whatchamacallit, I sent you a link to it recently because I found a, a list of mythological books on the Gutenberg Press. Yeah. That site's phenomenal. Basically, uh, for those of you who don't know, Gutenberg Press is basically... I said basically six times. <laughs> I'll edit it to one. It's a website that collects a bunch of sources that are in, currently in the public domain and publishes them. Oh, yeah. So... Well, they're a lifesaver. Yeah, definitely worth looking into if you have access. If you want to read things from before public domain law got screwed up by disney a lot of good stuff to read in there oh yeah the mongolian death worm and the red caps episodes i believe i 
for both, I could be mistaken, included sources to Gutenberg Press and to archive.org. I did not use Gutenberg Press on this one, but I did use archive.org and Google Books to get uh, originals of the uh, of current literature and of the uh, article from the New York World in which it was it was published, as well as scans from I found an Australian article, uh, an original scan of a reprint. That is everything I have for this week on Cryptopedia. I mean, it was a good one. It, uh, it was a real good one. It was real good. The only problem is my my I might have lost my preternatural ability to guess every cryptid. But my ability to, to detect bullshit has not gone away. I intentionally found one that looked weird, like a pineapple, to throw you off the trail. And, uh, yeah, I actually think this one's a landmark, because it, it might be the first hoax that we have so far. Um, I if think it is, I don't know if it's actually a hoax. It was written by Edmund Spencer to be a scary story. I, I'd classify that as a hoax, because he, he wrote it with the intent to mislead, I feel like. Yeah, true. Yeah, no, I buy that. Yeah, I, I think, I think the intent here was to mislead, so it qualifies as a hoax. Mm -hmm. I do think that this is our first, like, we can categorically say that this is a hoax, though. Yeah, categorically, because let's see, we've done Black Shuck, the Dover Demon, Fairies, Enfield Horror, Red Caps, and I think there was one other that I'm missing. Deathworm. 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 Yeah, and. None of those are outright hoaxes. They're more urban legends, folklore, and sightings that may have been misattributed. But none of them are outright hoaxes. So I think you have the distinction of being uh, the first hoax episode on Cryptopedia, I think. Yeah, and it's the first episode in which you lost your witch-like powers gifted to you by the CIA, the NSA, and, and, and all of these other government entities that are providing you information that's on my hard drive that you're spying on me and now this one i win i mean yeah i guess you technically win so i'm what is this now i'm three out of four and you're one for three yeah i gotta i gotta pick it back up i can't let you catch up <laughs> although i don't think you're gonna guess next week's scripted no we'll see about that you can always follow us on cryptopediacast.com we're on instagram and twitter at cryptopediacast we've got a soundcloud you can reach it on our website but it's it doesn't really have a whole lot on it you can email us at cryptopediacast at gmail.com or us at cryptopediacast.com both of those links all the all these links are currently on the cryptopediacast.com homepage. you can follow us on itunes stitcher anywhere podcasts are sold so to speak by searching Cryptopedia. We recently got released on Spotify back in, what was it, Woo! episode five? We yeah. got moved to Spotify. So got Spotify. Yeah, if you if you like, if you have Spotify and it's your preferred media platform, you can always listen to us there. Um, additionally, we've got a Patreon now. So if you want to pass us a couple of bucks to buy books or pay some of the time that it goes into this, 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 this show because you enjoy it, That'd be great if you put in, I think, all right, we've got three tiers today. We have the $1 tier. Hoop Snakes! Is the Hoop Snakes. It's for people who want to support the podcast but don't necessarily want to put that much in uh, or care about any of the the special bonuses for the higher tiers. 
The second tier, I believe, is Hodags. Is Hodags. That's for people who want to get access to our research. That's $2 a month. And then we have a $5 tier. Jackalopes. And the Jackalopes get eventually will get access to ad-free episodes if we ever get ads on the show. If we do any bonus content, like in terms of recording and stuff like that, you'll you'll probably get it at the $5 tier and up. And then um, I think what we're, we're planning to do, what I think we might do is if you if you subscribe in the $5 tier, we'll mention you at the end of, like, in these notes at the end of the episodes. Yeah, you'll get a mention. If you want, holla at your boy. We got stickers. We can just send you a sticker. Um, yeah. Yeah. Postage is cheap, so. <laughs> <laughs> and we got, I think we got, like, what? We got, we ordered a thousand of them. I've got at least a hundred in my office. Yeah, I've got, I've got a fat stack behind me. I, I don't know how many are in there. I've got some in my glove box. I've got, I've got a bunch everywhere, man. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're interested, just let us know and we'll we'll get it to you. In terms of social media for us, uh, where can they find you, Brandon? They can find me on Instagram at Instagram.com. I am donkey underscore hands. My website is boyerb.com. My email is Brandon at CryptopediaCast.com. And my Twitter is at CryptoBrandon. And you can reach me uh, on Instagram at Mew2057. My Twitter is at JFDunham. My website is johndunhamgames.com, but it currently redirects to Cryptopedia. Uh, and you can always email me at john at cryptopediacast.com. Our art is done by Tom Hill. You can find him on Instagram at thomasmichaelhill. His website is greatergloryco.com. His email is tommikehill at gmail.com. And if you want, feel free to email us. Send us some uh, recommended creatures to research, settings of your own, any creepy pasta etc yeah and we'll we'll uh try to get back to you when you send us stuff as always i'm john i'm brandon and things are gonna get weird lich his guy oh god Uh uh-oh Uh Oh, Oh. God, I just got spooked. (laughs) I got very confused. I'm sitting here, and uh, the lights are basically out in my house because there's no real need to have the lights on because we have a window. Yeah. And Lissa is just, you know, doing stuff, and she puts something on her face, and she pops up, and (laughs) her in a red face pops up and looks at me over the monitor, and now I'm terrified (laughs) because I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> I live I saw in your reaction. fear. <laughs> oh, here she comes. Hey! <laughs> I like it. Wait, come back. Come back. Listen, come back. What kind of face mask is that that, that you got? Because I've got like the exfoliating stuff and all that stuff. What kind of mask is that? Some random peel off mask that I got in an Ipsy bag. I have no idea. Ipsy! Making Christmas shopping easier since whenever they came out. <laughs> <laughs>